Hi, and welcome to our Support and Leaders in Education podcast. My name is Claire Boyle. I'm the Events Manager for Witherslack Group, and I'll be hosting today's session, which will focus on how leaders can support their staff well-being. This month, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Sarah Roscoe, Head Teacher at Oversand School in Cumbria, and Colin Foley, National Training Director for the ADHD Foundation Neurodiversity Charity. Thank you both so much for joining us. So I know I've given a little bit of an introduction, but before we carry on, would you guys like to say a little bit about yourselves? Um, Sarah, maybe you can go first. Hello there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Sarah and I'm the head teacher, as Clara said this morning at Oversands uh, School. It's a residential school in the Lake District, the countryside. We have up to about 80 amazing young men with us um, and 70 at the moment. And we have lots of fun up in the lakes there with the team there. And I've been in education for 26 years. I started my career in Liverpool in mainstream secondary and then I went down to south, went down south and uh, went to London and started, you know, started kind of uh, joining the leadership teams and senior leadership teams in secondary mainstream. I moved to special uh, to take my first deputy head position about 15 years ago, uh, Riverside School in Bromley. Uh, which was a huge school on two sites and I had an amazing time. It taught me all I know uh, to do with SEND. Well, not all I know. You're learning all the time, aren't you? But um, I had an amazing time there. And then I had my first headship was when I built a free school in West London called The Rise uh, with Ambitious About Autism Charity. I had, again, an amazing opportunity there. And since then, I've then now come up north, back home. So I'm from the Lake District, (laughs) born and bred, and I've come home and this is it, Oversand School, you are my forever place. <laughs> okay, over to you, Colin. Oh well, thanks very much, and Claire. Thanks very much for uh, for asking me to to contribute to this. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Colin Foley. I'm the training director for the ADHD Foundation. Um, I've been doing this job now for uh, six years. Um, so my job is to lead uh, the training team, um, six really wonderful trainers uh, that I work with, and also to create and deliver uh, training courses on a range of neurodevelopmental conditions and mental health conditions. Um, my background, similarly to to Sarah is in mainstream secondary education. I had a 25-year um, career um, in five schools around Merseyside um, in which I was a classroom teacher, a head of department, a head of faculty. I'm going to show my age now. Anybody? <laughs> um, I'm 55. I was uh, Sarah. Do you remember special schools um, under New Labour where schools had specialisms? Yes, um, I do. So I led that PA. for a few years uh, under um, New Labour with huge budgets um, mm-hmm. back in the uh, the early 90s. Um, and then I was uh, an assistant head um, in a secondary school. So one of my responsibilities during my, that my career in senior leadership was about staff well-being as well. And we also deliver courses about uh, staff well-being as part of the ADHD Foundation. Thanks. Thanks both to both of you. So shall we start our questions now? So, so to begin our conversation, let's look at what are the root causes of poor staff well-being within education. And let's also look at, on the flip side of that, what are the key fundamentals in creating an environment of positive well-being for staff within a school setting? Who would like to go first? I don't mind starting. I think that... Um to begin with the root causes around poor staff well-being there's lots there's lots of causes aren't there and I think that to just pinpoint that on one is is fairly impossible it's you know it starts with the pressures that the government you know put on Mm. education how education lists are seen and how people respect or you know don't respect how uh, education lists are working at that time you know we're used aren't we the education system is used as a, a quite a political battleground um, and there's change all the time so within the politics depending on who's in power and who isn't um, you know there are pressures on the education system and there is a, a way of seeing how we are as educationalists I think and and there's change and change is really hard and with COVID, you know, after, over the last 18 months, um, COVID has meant change all of the time for all of the community. So at Oversands, for example, and in all schools, you know, you don't know what staff you've got in one day to the next. You don't know what children you've got in one day to the next. You know, it is continually changing, just like uh, the political landscape as well. So I think that some of the root causes to staff well-being is change because we all like to have 
a, a sense of stability. We all like to know structure. what um, is coming. We all like structure. We all, you know, and because we work in schools, you know, we are very kind of structured and routine, aren't we? We go by the bell. Yeah. Um, not that we do it over sons anymore, but, you know, it's like lesson one this time, lesson two, and it's it's all very structured. Whereas with COVID and depending on, on the landscape generally as a country, things change all the time. And that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. I, I think, Suri, you've uh, you've just articulated what is some of the central issues that are applicable to all educational professionals, and certainly something that I can remember from my career, um, that constant pace of change. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Sarah, but I can remember endless SLT meetings where what we were talking about was what Ofsted wanted now, what's mm-hmm. changed, and that would take up all of our time and all of our energy when really we could have been talking about what's best for our particular students. Mm-hmm. So I think that's absolutely right um sarah i don't know if you've read the anxiety workbook that's just come out uh, can i recommend this to anyone listening to this podcast it's just you know when you read an education book that really strikes you yeah but what, i mean it's about teenagers and it's about working with teenagers and anxiety and mental health and well-being but it talks about um the need for certainty and it just it really does reflect what sarah's just been talking about mm-hmm. we as human beings um we love certainty our brains are wired to predict things and make predictions and assumptions and when you do work in a context of continuous change and also change that you don't feel that you have real ownership of as Sarah was saying it's being done to you then as a professional as an an educated experienced committed professional who wants to do their best for their learners in their context you can feel like you know it can be it's being taken away from you the things that you want to do um and I always remember um, doing my PGCE back in 1989 and talking about David Hargreaves' work, Sarah, don't you remember? Yeah. Talking about isolation, because ultimately teaching is a lonely profession you're on your own in that classroom with that group of learners and you can go through that when I started my career I was the head of drama and that meant I was the head of myself I was the only person teaching drama I was so head I of music nobody where are you Sarah I was head of Say music it. as an NQT on my own in a room that didn't have any didn't even look like music it was like it was a DT room Really? <laughs> but I had no, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you reckon, remember this, Sarah, but I had nobody that I could go to the staff room and say, you know, this isn't working with year yeah, nine, so what should I do? I was yeah. very, very much um, on my own. I mean, I'm sure we'll get on to talk about what schools can do to kind of yeah. reduce that sense of isolation that, that, that teachers can have. Uh, but I think Sarah is just was just spot on then in the sense that even I can remember a movement when I was in senior leadership to you know these are the schemes of work this is what you are all going to do and teachers were actively saying to me because one of my jobs was teacher development was saying well I, you know I don't want to teach it like this because that's not applicable to this particular class that I've yeah. got but this is what I'm being told to do or I was being asked by a head teacher being given the Ofsted criteria and saying just get people to teach like that and he's saying, well, it doesn't work like that. No. Pe- you know, and people just can't fit yeah. into those kind of boxes. And that's part of the reason why I moved from mainstream. So I was a, an assistant principal in a, a really large multi-academy trust, South London, Croydon. And, right. you know, we were going on a journey from Special Measures Inadequate, where it went to an academy, and then we took it up to Outstanding. But it was how we did that so how we do things as leaders for me is the integral part of that so it was very much all about year 11 and exam results and the league table so that was the driver and continues to be to a certain extent in mainstream um you know because i've got lots of colleagues and friends still in mainstream and that's that was the driver but for me that just went against all things in mind so my year sevens that were coming in from primary and no no disrespect to primary at all but they, they couldn't read because they hadn't attended primary school there was lots of reasons because of their additional needs and resourcing that the children are arriving in year seven and they can't read but they've got like four or five different English teachers because year 11 have got to have the one you know brilliant teacher that's got lots of experience and you know because we need to make sure that the 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 right in the in the league tables so I left mainstream because I became it's not actually about the whole child 
and it's not you know it needs to be about the whole child um and not just and we need to start early as well and not just about exams and league tables so special is just like it is my happy place it really yeah. is my happy place Gosh. yeah what what a fant- what a fantastic start to the podcast that's that's brilliant some some great conversation already and um, so we'll move on to our next question now so teacher stress and things like that is probably something we'll talk about quite a lot this morning um, but teacher stress will impact not only themselves but colleagues and most and most importantly mm-hmm. pupils as well mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so can you tell us what effect teacher stress might have on a pupil's learning and also the stress levels of that pupil as well well I, I mean I'll start if you want Sarah I mean it's this is such an interesting question isn't it working for a neurodiversity charity and taking calls in our office um, daily from parents and carers um, who are saying you know that that they're really concerned about their their um, their son or daughter in terms of the school and you know and and meeting teachers across all phases of education continuously and one of the big questions that comes up all the time is you know um I'll, I'll deliver a training course and they'll say oh Colin that all sounds great but how do you manage that with 30 youngsters in a class with all of their di- di- diverse needs and you know let's not let's not forget at all ever what a challenging and demanding um job um teaching is what a special job right. and I and I it was my vocation for over 20 years and I loved it and this um and I uh, let's let's also let's focus on on what a wonderful job teachers have done in the last 18 months mm-hmm. in terms of changing Remarkable. so yeah. much of their mm-hmm. practice fundamentally um, and the opportunities that it's mm-hmm. opened up in terms of the use of technology Absolutely. particularly with neurodiverse um, learners Claire you've got me going off on, on one now <laughs> uh, but I think you know talking about all of that all of the specific stresses that have been related to the pandemic and I've had some really heartbreaking conversations with with teachers who um, have really found that transition and that change really really difficult um but you know inevitably that stress they are going to communicate that stress onto both their colleagues um and to the learners in their classrooms and i don't know if you're looking at um some of the stuff sarah that's that's around at the moment about toxic environments in schools and toxic schools somebody's just written a book about it there's a lot of there's a lot of noise on social media Um, and I think that is the case in some places I can go into a school and within 10-15 minutes with the staff there you kind of read the vibe of what's going on some of it the positivity and the energy and the commitment just just you know comes over you in waves and in other schools you go into you sense the kind of pressure they're looking at me thinking what are you going to ask me to do now right and so it's and I think um, I'm sure we'll get we'll we'll move on to talk about leadership Sarah but I think that fundamentally comes from the top doesn't it about leaders setting the tone for the school you know because I think it can be done and I worked with a couple of head teachers who were just outstanding at all of the pressures that Sarah talked about the constant change that the the speed with which leadership teams have to react and respond and they still imbue their colleagues with this joy of Mm. come on we're here you know Mm. we're going to make we're going to really change the lives of these young people so it can be done absolutely Um, but I think you know Sarah I'm sure you'll recognize this there were days when I taught lessons and they didn't go well and the class walked out the room and you thought to yourself I had no one to blame but me you know it was about my pressure my lack of preparation my mood because something had happened mm. and it just it can impact the whole classroom yeah, the whole learning it so does. it's it's key and I knew I know that there were situations when I was a middle leader and a senior leader where a couple of colleagues said to me Colin will you shut up and back off because actually you're making this really you know you're constant asking me if I've done this this and this yeah you know yeah. is not is is really difficult and there were some times mm-hmm. when I really was pulled up by colleagues and just thought right I need to slow down Reassess. I need yeah. to approach this differently I need to take mm-hmm. people through this process but as Sarah said before sometimes the pace of life in school when just I when I first started working things. for the foundation it was a real 
um, I really had to get my head around the fact that my day wasn't ruled mm. by bells and that the, <laughs> yeah, the pace change, was slower. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah. well, I've got four hours. What am I going to do? You know, yeah. I can plan this over, you know, and it was just an incredible culture change. Um, mm. But I think... Um, Certainly, and uh, do you recognise this, Sarah? There's that period in in in, sec- in mainstream secondary schools, definitely from January to April, May, where you just felt the temperature rising daily, and you just felt mm. the stress as the lead up to the you know, year eleven, twelve, thirteen exams. You know, was mm. just you could feel the stress rising with colleagues and with the young people um, as well. It is, so it's, I think it, it's absolutely yeah. something we need to get we need to address. Absolutely, I think. You know, you set the tone, you make the weather. There's an amazing head teacher um, who, uh, Vic Goddard, who is the head of an Essex secondary um, in Harlow. And he's written a book. And what he talks about is you make the weather. And I think that as a leader, as I say to my wider leadership team all of the time and to my staff, you make the weather. So for children that are coming in, our children sense your mood. They they hunt, you know, they are very, very vigilant. So they're hypervigilant, a lot of my, my children, to your mood. So if I'm not smiling, because I'm a very smiley person and a very positive person, people notice immediately. Yeah. You know, I have, I had, you know, I have had one moment maybe where I was kind of like concentrating and, you know, kind of walking down the corridor, okay, da, 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 da. And it was like, oh, something's wrong. Something's going on. And it was through the whole community. You make the weather and you set the weather. And no matter what's going on outside of school, you know, when you step over the threshold into school, that's, you're a diff. you have to leave, you have to leave it behind. And that sounds quite hard. um, And it is really hard uh, to do. You know, it is, you know, I've been critically ill. You know, I had, I had cancer. I had to have a huge operation. I had a few months off. You know, that was a really tough time for me. I'd lost my mum just a few months before as well. So I, in 2008, that was her, it was a horrific year, mm. but I was an assistant head in a school in South London that was being taken on a journey to outstanding. And I had to leave my sadness and my loss at the door and make the weather for the children yeah. in my care, you know, and I do that every single day. And it's, and it is hard for people to do that because at the end of it, we're human beings and life yeah. out and we are, we have a life. It's like funny, isn't it? People think teachers, you know, don't we have a life, but we, we do, we have a life. And I always talk to my team about actually you need to fill your wells. So you work, we work in SEMH residential it's tough. Lots of trauma. You know, our, yeah. my children, we've got like over half of my children are children in the care system. They're, they're tough cookies because of the trauma that they've had, because they don't trust adults immediately, because you have to spend so much emotional energy looking after them and loving them. You know, when it comes to the end of the day, you know, you're exhausted and the weekends you need to refuel. So however that yeah. looks for you, whether that's watching Netflix, whether that's walking up a mountain in the lake, swimming in a lake, cycling, whatever that is, you've got to refill your wells more than I've ever had to do in my career so far. Mm. I really and have. And that's something that we'll we'll talk about later on is making sure that you do get that. Mm. Well, how can we ensure, you know, you get that work-life balance so that you do have that time to recuperate mm. as well? Okay, so... We'll, can I we'll just move. can I just add something yeah, there very quickly? Yeah, Sarah, really glad you said that. Um, one of the courses that we run is um, mental health first aid, mm. and I've done that in a number of schools. Mm. And one of the activities is about looking after your own your own mental health. Yeah. And I've been amazed really at the number of times I've said to um, to groups of teachers, mm. you know, so who's got hobbies, who's, who's involved in organisations and activities and groups out of school. Mm. And I'm always amazed at how yeah, it's always one or two people at most yeah. is mm. that it, it's a, a lot of professions are like this, aren't they? A lot of people are, are living their job, of course. Yeah. But I think it's a particular issue with teachers, just as Sarah said, mm. is that we can just live it can't, can't be it's vocation, isn't it? It's a vocation. Yeah. It's not just a job, and it has to be a vocation. You know, you do have to want to really change the lives of young people and have that impact. Um, you know, and it, yeah, so it is. And but you have to therefore really focus on filling your wells more, even more so with all of the change and the unpredictability around society at the moment. Um, you just, yeah, we have to really have excellent self care. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay. Th- thanks so much, you two, for, for, for all of that. Now, we'll, we'll go on to the, to the next question now. So, um, so for senior leaders who want to put more focus on staff well-being and creating that positive school community, what advice could, could you offer them? You know, what are the building blocks for, for doing it? So if I start, um, part of the building blocks for me is setting your values. So it's your culture. So the culture of your school, you have to be very clear that part of your culture is around staff well-being and the community's well-being. So I've made well-being or it's it's the fourth core subject. So I have we have English, math, science um, and then well-being and everything that fits under the well-being umbrella is our fourth core area. That's our core. And that's really launching in September. Um, so you, ha- you have to talk about it. You know, the values that you sit your school on and develop your school on. So we have be respectful, be kind, be proud, be safe are our values currently, which we are going to relook really at in September and, and alter potentially. But we live those values. So being kind to one another, that's between staff, staff to pupil, pupil to pupil. Yeah. That's what we live by. So uh, being kind, being respectful of one another, you know, adult to adult, adult to pupil, pupil to pupil, everything that you do as a school, your culture, you set on your values. So an the first thing you do as a head teacher coming in to a school is think about values. I generally come in, set some values in place, and then we look at them as a whole team and develop them so they're really bespoke to our community. But the the basic values for me as I work is being kind, being respectful, um, and ultimately I'm very proud of my community, very proud of the the adults and the children within that community and what we do at Obersands and, and wherever I've been a senior leader. So the values and the culture of the school is one of the is the foundation of how yeah. you build a great well being curriculum really i mean just going on from that area you just bring in so much about back to me about um one of the best schools that i worked in was um, was a catholic secondary school and i mean i'm not a christian and um I, I got i went for this interview and i thought right how am i going to be in a catholic school a faith school is this going to work for me and i got the job and i took it um and you know it really really brought home to me that the kind of opportunities you talk about values you know how do you um how do you actively promote that in a meaningful way for young people beyond you know obviously really important one-to-one daily interactions between people and i found myself getting stuck into creating all of these liturgies that were of course you know it wasn't so much about um the catholic faith it was about our values as a yeah. as a school and we had incredible involvement it was just part of the culture that ev- every assembly was it was expected that students would get up and do something you know perform sing dance act present um, and it was it was just a way of just constantly um, reaffirming and re uh, revisiting these values and about yeah. all of the things that sarah has just said um and uh, and it was it worked it really did we had loads of lads to, you know key, a key stage four lads getting up and doing things and talking about being nice and being kind and, yeah. and respect and um anti-discrimination and we used to run campaigns and stuff so i'm not saying that a faith a non-faith school can't do that of course of course they can but that's really key um i also think some, some of the talk in recent years about looking at the profession now in terms of stages you know early stage you see you hear this don't you early stage mid stage and i think that's really really important about establishing that within a school because what is really worrying on a national level of course is the amount of teachers that leave within the first five years so being able to give young or newer or less experienced teachers that kind of initial kind of mentoring and support i'm a huge huge fan yeah. and advocate of coaching mm. and coaching models and i know they can be done really half-heartedly and not very effectively and, and i've been there and i've run a system like that where people were, hadn't hadn't bought into it and therefore it was just another thing that people had to do so i developed it and when it works really really well is that we can give especially new t- new people to the profession 
and we can give them that kind of mentoring and support yeah. that poor Sarah and I didn't have back in the, you know, when we were starting as, you know, isolated arts teachers um, on our own, you know, in, in classrooms and breaking down that isolation that I was talking about yeah. um, before um, and looking... I mean, I love that what you've said, Sarah. I lo- just love the idea that well-being is just another, you know, is part of the the four um, um, yeah. core subjects in your in your mm. faculty. But it's it's looking at middle leaders and talking about, and really helping middle leaders and supporting them on what is your role in terms of looking after your you know the well-being of your team as well as everything else that you've got to do um is how is that really key the same with senkos it's you know if you've got a specialist team around you and somewhere like oversands will have you know a range of specialists who aren't teachers who are working there what is the role of that person in supporting those you know those colleagues to do uh, to do their role um so i think it's also it is about looking at what support peer-to-peer support we can have yeah. uh, for teachers within the profession as well and it's that culture isn't it of, of making it okay to say that we're not okay you know making sure that it's all right for the team to say actually at the moment sarah or whoever your line leader is i'm not okay right now i'm really struggling um and yeah. that that has you know that has happened at Oversands this past year you know people have really struggled um and have you know fortunately come to us and, and talked to us about it and and we have to support at that time we are human beings you know and we have to look after one another um and ultimately i always say to the team i want you to be happy you know, I want people yeah. to love coming to work. That's what I want. I want people to love coming to work and enjoy their time with the kids, teaching the children, having fun with the kids, connecting with the children, you know, and ultimately I, I just want you to be happy and love your job. Mm. And, you know, I will do everything that I can possibly to do that, to help you to be happy at Oversands. Um, and the vast majority are, you know, we get tired, we get exhausted, you know, but we still love the job because the kids are amazing. Yeah. And what you were saying then about staff members being able to come and, and say, yeah. you know, when they're not feeling yeah. okay, brings us on yeah. to the to the next question, really. Um, so, what what signs should leaders be looking for in staff members you know if they can't if they feel they can't come over and say i'm not feeling great here so you know what are the signs that um leaders can be looking for in staff members if they are starting to struggle mm. in the workplace what should people be looking out for i have a bit I, of um, I, I've, i'm not sorry colin sorry um I'm really empathetic, so I have a real sixth sense. I'm very fortunate. My emotional intelligence is is right up there. My other intelligence, I'm kind of just above average. That was what they said <laughs> my, on, my, <laughs> on my second, when I was in secondary mainstream. It was kind of oh, just above average. I was like, oh, well, you know, that's okay. Cruised on through, uh, cruised on through, but I've done okay for myself. But my emotional intelligence, um, and my partner says this all the time about me, is just on point. So I, I notice as a, as, a, as a leader, I know notice where the small signs so it could be heads are down a little bit you know they're not quite as engaging as they have been in the past you know they aren't you know maybe coming into work quite as early as they have done maybe they're going off a bit earlier um personal thing things when people they start to look heavy people look heavier you know it's in their body language it's in how they're performing as well so it could be that suddenly you know out of the blue they're not maybe meeting all the, the deadlines that are in place um you know, so there's there's lots of ways of knowing. I I know when people are feeling down. You know, from the moment you go to the briefing, we have briefings every morning at half past eight at Oversands, and you can you can read the room, read the room. Mm. You know, and you know you can really tell. Okay, so today's going to be a tougher day because actually there's a yeah. few heads down this morning because we're obviously really tired. So I'm always kind of like, right, put your smiles on, smiles on, and let's go. Let's get this day done. The kids <laughs> deserve. The kids deserve for us put our smiles on and, and do our best for them today because as ever you know we make the weather so i can read very well when yeah. staff and it is you know heads down not quite working as they have done in the past um and ultimately people coming and talking to us as well yeah yes i, I mean absolutely um, i mean I've, i run courses on mental health and particularly when you talk about mental health and um 
not just for children and young people but for adults as well the key word for me is always change as Sarah's just talked about you know was this person engaged happy hard working really up for it Mm -hmm. and now you're not seeing those things you know so something's going on isn't it even if that person's Mm -hmm. um, not willing right now to talk about it I think again there's there's um, there's an issue about the lifespan of a career as well you do see changes in people kind of as they move on as as other priorities in their life when they become parents for example Mm, um uh, that can change and that can be you know sometimes quite quite difficult for managers to kind of i can remember feeling this with with um, run, uh, managing a team of really talented, really up for it women who then got married and had kids and their priorities started to change and I was like oh come on, stay in rehearse <laughs> like you used to for two hours with the kids and they're like no, I've got to go and pick me kids up So, but it's about managers just being real with that and just uh, you know, yeah. accepting that that's part of life yeah. and, yeah. and that, that, go, that, um, that goes on but it's also understanding sometimes about unhelpful strategies or coping strategies that people start mm. to adopt which I always remember coaching a, a young teacher who was partying really, really hard at the weekend and so was um, having Mondays and Tuesdays off, was right behind with their prep and their marking. And and when I talked to her, I was, I'll never forget this, she said, you know, um, being a teacher is really hard, Colin. I said, I don't want to be this teacher you know seven days a week i want to go out i want to be with my mates who aren't teachers and i want to go and party and i want to have this life yeah and i said well all right that sounds great except you're absolutely Mm -hmm. exhausted and you're not sleeping um and it's impacting your job so we had to come and kind of come to a a, you know an agreement about about that moving forward but Mm -hmm. people can develop you know some difficult coping coping strategies and also when incidents happen and i'm sure sarah will resonate with this when you you're unpicking an incident between a teacher and a young person that course that's really hard because you weren't there so you're hearing you know two two you know very different accounts and actually what you start to hear is this teacher this stress of this teacher this you know um real tiredness as sarah was talking about has contributed to that incidents completely and it's having that difficult conversation isn't it with the member of staff saying okay that 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 young person swore at you or walked out or threw a chair or whatever but actually let's start putting some of the focus on what did you do that led up to that and and those can be quite difficult conversations but also i always remember this bloke um with me with his head in his hands going Oh God, you're right. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I've had, I'm just, I've had enough, you know. And and he, he'd come to that conclusion that a lot of the difficulties he was having was directly the result of his his own stress his and own tiredness. Mood and stress. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we we've looked at this at the at the signs there that people should be looking out. So we'll talk a little bit now about what practical things um, can be put in place. So, so what practical strategies could senior leaders implement to support the mental health and well-being within their staff team? So one of the things that I think is important is the systems around the school. So they're called back office functions, aren't they? Um, with regards to things like the calendar setting. So, you know, basic things around how the office and the cleaning team and the maintenance team all of those massively important people cogs in the wheel that support us in our day-to-day so let's make the day-to-day work and the week-to-week and the term-to-term work as as easy as possible so calendars are massive so let's look at calendars as leaders so that we're not we've not got a thousand deadlines all in the same time Mm. when you work for a multi-academy trust or a group such as with a slack group you need to look at what the pressures are from from the outside so what deadlines am i going to have from from the multi-academy trust people or the, the group people you know calendar and making sure that deadlines are well in advance no rushing take the pressure away a little bit the more pressure you put on people on top of you know working with yeah working with you know children that come to overstands and teenagers in general you know the pressure is already there you're already under pressure on a day-to-day yeah so as leaders really plan your academic year well in advance so that everybody knows what's coming up when and what kind of 
expectations there are nothing last minute you know I'm always really keen and some people will laugh in the background when they listen to this but I'm always trying our best and I hate it when people send someone say I'd like this tomorrow I'd like this tomorrow you know as a school and within the school I'm very very keen that we give people a week some of my senior leaders and my deputy heads might go "Mm." (laughs) but (laughs) at times you know you've got to try your very best to give people that space to be able to respond properly and not feel more pressure on top of what they've already got so systems around the school culture um, are really important I feel that's one part Colin um, yes, I mean absolutely, and I was—it's just—it's such an interesting conversation, this era, because so many, so many memories are kind of flooding back of, of experiences <laughs> that I had in schools. Um, I mean, I think you know, and not to be cynical, but an, an easy win, if you like, is. Um, is is that go around that calendar that, that Sarah's just been talking about and looking at you know certain key events like Christmas you know like yeah. what what can you do for staff um, and you know I mean I was involved in a number of these kind of initiatives where you get a yoga teacher in or we're doing Zumba Zoom Zumba yeah for years ago and um, for staff and um, I was remembering that Catholic school where there would be an annual liturgy just for staff which. For, uh, many people listening to this might think what you know but it was it was a, an opportunity for people who had been safe bereaved for example who would and it was a really moving event yeah. and you know it started small and by the end of it we had two-thirds of the staff that were there and and people would know who you know and there was this wraparound care between your colleagues that was done um and then you know the book club of course and then the the the, the kind of the friday draw and all of that which was which was really good events for just making yeah. people feel part of this part of this team um but i think also because i can remember having in that calendar meeting every year and it was massive if you think about the amount of stuff mm, in a in a large stuff, secondary yeah. school of 2000 pupils with a sixth form that has to be kind of planned and you know we'd all constantly in that process would be saying to middle leaders in particular you know how how is this how, how is this in terms of well you know the well-being of your team you know do you really want to do those assessments straight after the week after you've done that whole yeah. set of assessments let's think about your team who are teaching a lot of you know maybe key stage three and all of that so that that planning and organization i would absolutely agree with sarah is a fundamental and um, but one thing that I always like to talk about with with staff and particularly the the kind of the more responsibility they they took on was saying to people you know what what did you love doing when you were a mainstream younger teacher you know what what was the bit of the job that you loved doing let's let's try and bring that back in and let's try and structure that back Mm in and to it so you know when I started teaching I used to um don't know if you were, you had this experience, Sarah, but I used to love doing the, the, the Christmas show and the, the 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 school production, and that was you know I got such joy from that. The the kind of the the, the older I got and the more senior I got, um, I'd always every year do some kind of production, usually quite small, you know, studio based, yeah. because I just loved Enjoyed that it. kind of doing that with with young people, um, and I always found a time to do that. So it's about asking to teachers, what do you love about this? you know what yeah. what can you offer what is your particular skill knowledge mm-hmm. base what club could you run what mm-hmm. group of young people could you get around and with your passion for whatever it is and can we structure that into mm-hmm. the plan um, so we've well? um over Sands in september we've got a the wednesday afternoons and the friday afternoons are around well-being so we have get connected on a friday afternoon which is where staff have put forward ideas for clubs so the clubs and right. the fun and the love. So it's kind of bringing in, you've got to, you know, it's the pace model, isn't it? Play, play with the kids. You know, we need to play and we need to accept. And and it's also, we've got the five ways of well-being. So we work to the five ways to well-being, which is a, a kind of a national structure and a national um 
kind of drive really, which is around connecting. So one of the ways to wellbeing is connect. So making sure that we are with the people around us. So connecting with the people around us, whether that's family, friends, building connections with new people. Uh, but ultimately connecting with people is, is a huge way to our wellbeing. Being active is, a, is another way for, for our wellbeing. And that's about exercise. That's about getting outdoors. That's just physical activity that you enjoy and suits your level you know i've got i've got got some staff who can you know run over the whole of the wainwrights in you know 24 hours in the lakes you know they're phenomenal (laughs) athletes yeah (laughs) Yeah. and then i'm I'm just going to go on my peloton just for 20 minutes you know (laughs) or i'm gonna go and swim in a lake you know i did the great i did the great north swim actually um a few weeks ago which i'm very proud of so being active really helps and then we've got to take notice so that another way to well-being is around taking notice and and remembering some of the simpler things in life that bring you joy um so taking notice around us reflecting on experiences that help you to appreciate what really matters and i think it's only been i was quite career i was like right i'm going to be a secondary mainstream head teacher by 40 um and i was very career driven when i was when i was down south and i was you know i'd done my mpqh when i was you know i don't know relative baby really (laughs) in in life and you know, and then life happens, doesn't it? You know, things happen in your life journey. And, and I was a head teacher by the time I was 40, but not in, not in secondary mainstream, um, but in special, but that was kind of by luck really. Um, and I love it, but life teaches you that actually you need to take notice of the, of the smaller things in life and, and really kind of enjoy a bit more of life because you, you're not necessarily going to be around forever. Anything can happen, can't it? Also keep learning. So the fourth way to wellbeing is about learning, you know, and I'm really keen in, in, in Oversands. We've got, um, a book, a staff book library, you know, which is CPD and, and all around nice. everything to do f- with our children and working with our children successfully. So keeping learning and that could be cross stitch, you know, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be, you know, learning about the brain and, and all of those things that are also very important for our, our jobs, but keeping learning, you know, and embracing new experiences is, is important. And then the last thing for the five wells wellbeing, which we form, try to bring everything around in our wellbeing strand is about giving. So giving your time, giving your words, giving your presence. Um, and ultimately just, it, you know, it can be incredibly rewarding to create connections with people around you. So giving, um, you know, like at Christmas, I used to be as a kid, it'd be like, oh, how many, you know, about me getting and receiving presents. Whereas now I get more joy, joy by yeah. giving yeah. presents. Yeah. So that's kind of the model that I've, we, we've based much around, um, this year. Oversands, we've done a lot of the connect and the active this year. And next year we'll go on to kind of develop into the notice, the learning and the, the giving aspect. I mean, I think, it's, yes, oh. it's also, how how do you share how do you celebrate you know mm. the small things we we yeah the last school i was in we introduced a system which sounds like it could could have gone really wrong but teachers would nominate their colleagues about just something that somebody had done in the last week that was you know and we thought are people going to do this you know and, and it got to the point where we had to kind of limit the number of nominations <laughs> because there just wasn't time to go through them all and we selected them yeah um, but it was but it became really really keen you could see people with yeah. listening out really listening um and often you know um, when sarah was talking about the, the the back office team and often these people who, who are not don't get recognized a lot in schools but they would be recognized on a regular basis yeah. because they'd gone above and beyond and um, also thinking about you, your structured um time to you know your structured sessions for cpd that all schools will have is we used to um ensure that there was one or two during the year that were just specifically about something related to staff well-being i can always remember getting somebody in talking about hydration and saying to the staff are you drinking enough and culturally there was this shift where we were buying these big water bottles and staff were just used to walking around the school with these water bottles and everyone started you know being better hydrated the other one was sleep i couldn't believe we had a really good session on sleep and of course you know who teaches you about you know the difference between REM sleep and non-REM sleep and good sleep hygiene and there was some fantastic 
conversations that night to talk, you know where we I said to people describe your bedroom to me which was just a fascinating so and then really something well what can you change about that in terms yeah. of you know let's look at your bedtime routines for your kids you know if that's what's keeping you awake is your own kids yeah um, and it was just fantastic that the impact it got from it one thing I used to always do um was I always used to begin every session by getting teachers to just t- turn to each other and tell each other one good thing that happened that day as the start of any kind of meeting you know yeah. what's, what's been good to kind of set that mood that because there was a I you know um, teachers shall I say this yeah I'll say you know um, there there can be a tendency you know or there used to be I don't know I mean I'm six years out of the profession now but there used to be a tendency in some staff rooms where you I would leave because you think the conversation's just going really really negative here you know and it's and I think it's it's incumbent upon leaders I love Sarah saying you know right then put our smiles on come on let's do it you know uh, every morning in a briefing is just so important Mm, um, isn't it because it can very quickly turn yeah. in that sense which yeah. is such you a just like, you just generally have a, a, a worse day if i'm honest you know if if the, if your staff if team starts at that point are on a low you know from the moment the kids pick up on it and and actually it's a more challenging day for everybody so i'm saying it yeah. to look after everybody <laughs> you know it's kind yeah. of like it, yeah. if you're positive and you're up for this and you're positive in your interactions with our children then i can guarantee that you will have an easier day and it's, it's like- a human response isn't it to human to, to focus upon the difficulty yeah. and i'd have you know lots of teachers would come and offload to me about lessons and they'd have some really challenging young person in the lesson and it hadn't gone well and of course there was you have to really talk through that and unpick it mm-hmm. but i'd always stick in right then so with the other 29 doing what you asked them to do and were they happy yeah. <laughs> and the teachers so go yeah the so, well, let's not yeah. lose the fact that you actually yeah. had success yeah. half class with full yeah of them yeah yeah i feel like you've already sort of answered the question like answered the next one but i'll i'll fire it out there anyway and if you've got anything else you want to add you can do um so as we were just discussing it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and forget to acknowledge the success and celebrate all the individual achievements that you know people have um however you know, I imagine that feeling appreciated by colleagues and those you are teaching plays a part in how staff are feeling. Um, and so, when so, and so, when looking at how leaders can encourage their school community to engage in this supportive behaviour, to you know, how can we get them to engage with that supportive behaviour with one another? And I feel like we sort of already touched on it. But if there's anything else you want to add at all. Well, we've got um, every Friday we have a gratitude. So we've got a gratitude notice board in the staff room and so staff members nominate each other um, for something that they've been grateful for. That's a bit for. like what Colin was yeah, saying. Yeah, so we yeah, do that and great. we have a hamper and they can choose um, the children. I then do Hot Chalk Friday with the children on um, every Friday. Oh, how lovely. And yeah. all the names come off the board, go into the mm-hmm. raffle and the children pick out the, the winners of, of the gratitude. But I also try to say what it was for. So what are we grateful for? Um, and I hope that, that the team at OSANS know that I am really grateful for every single one of them. You know, I say thank you an awful lot um, for, you know, general big thank yous, but also for very specific things. I like to notice the little things, um, you know, when people just go that little bit extra mile, might take a, chi- yeah. a child home because they've had a meltdown at the transport time. So actually they will take you home. Um, you know, staff go the extra mile every single day at Oversands yeah. and it's just noticing that, appreciating it um, and them knowing that you appreciate it. It's important. Mm. It's really important. Mm, I always remember a um, deputy head when I started, when I first got a middle leadership role, saying to me, Colin, you must turn up. You know, if some, if because if, I was leading an arts faculty, so there's lots of you know kind of evening events and stuff. And he's saying, even even if you've not nothing to do with it, you must turn up and be there yeah. for your colleague who's put that time in and, and has done them. that yeah. and, and do this, you know, do the talk mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, for example, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Okay, 
So we move on to the next one now, and it's talking about, um, you know, the work-life balance, which we touched on earlier. So we all know the massive demands that are being put upon um, those who work in the education sector, and there's never been a more important time, you know, to have that good work-life balance, which allows staff to recharge their batteries, you know, before a busy week ahead. So what can school leaders implement to help improve that work-life balance um, for staff, which will, of course, in turn, have a positive in fa- impact on their um, on their well-being. I think we lead by example, don't we? So as a head, you know, I'm very clear that for one day of the week, so a Saturday or the Sunday, I won't be on email. I won't um, be working. So I take one clear mm-hmm. day a week where I am Sarah. So as a head teacher, yeah. you, you you just um, you don't realise. No, nobody can understand, and this is meant very respectfully. Um, because as a deputy, I was like, oh, the head teacher, you know, they get all the praise for this. Yeah, though they have to deal with a bit of that. But unless you've walked the shoes of being a head teacher, you can never understand the responsibility that's on those shoulders. Because yeah, anything can yeah. happen. Yeah. Anything positive or negative can happen. And and you know, you kind of. <laughs> it's really it's hard it's hard to mentally to have that on your shoulders 24 7 and and being residential as well that's 38 weeks of the year where I have children for all of the time you know it's it's 24 7 so I have children residing living at my school and anything can happen so I'm you're on call and you're on it so I'm really clear with the team and encourage with my leadership team particularly that for one clear day you are you are Sarah you are Catherine you are Mark you are Neil you are dad you are mum you are partner you are girlfriend whatever you are that person you're not a school leader you're not um you know you're not in your role have some you time so I take one clear day um, of, of a weekend to do that. Swimming generally is my regulation. So we need to self-regulate, don't we? And self-care is, is a part of that. Um, and it it's sort and swimming in a lake and just kind of floating in the middle of a lake in the Lake District um, oh, is kind of what brilliant. sorts my head out for sure. So yeah. a clear day. Are you, lead Sarah, are you, are you part of a network or do you get support from other so, head teachers yeah i do so i've because i've been doing it a little while and i i kind of um had quite a big network when i was down in the southeast and london i have i have some really good friends um who are heads or deputies um outside of over sands and and generally um but actually my best friend is a is a manager of a hotel <laughs> <laughs> so totally out of education and you know it's been with me since we were kids so it's I do I do and I think I'm one of those people as well I'm very I'm very lucky I'm very lucky I don't have anxiety so I don't suffer uh, with anxiety and I'm, and I feel very fortunate for that and as a and that helps as a head teacher the fact that I don't have that disposition I feel very very lucky for because it is you know you are carrying an awful lot of responsibility and until you yeah. step in those shoes you don't know yeah, um, yeah. so yeah that's I, I can remember um kind of going out on a friday night to, you know to meet friends mm. and walk into places and thinking don't start talking about school you're saying you know thinking you've got to be disciplined and saying i don't yeah. need to my friends do, do not need to know the hard week that i've had i'm not i don't need yeah. support right now from them um so i am going to be disciplined and also it really helps in the sense that you say i'm going to enter into you know um, your life and ask you yeah, questions your about time. your life which is nothing yeah. to do with education sometimes what i um what i used to do for myself when i'd had a difficult day is i'd go and ring somebody up who wasn't a teacher um and just to kind of ask them questions and listen to their Talk life about and something be, else yeah, other than yeah yeah kind of folk you know distract yourself yeah. if you like uh from it um certainly and i think it's it's important really do do i mean there's a lot of talk about mental health isn't there and there's a, a lot of material out there about how can you look after your mental health but when you get down to you know talking to colleagues and saying well you understand the theory what are you actually doing for yourself and i think though those conversations um looks like what's what sarah does in her school you know those kind of conversations directly about saying to people what are you doing 
for your own self-care. Because yeah. we have to put our really oxygen masks on, don't we? It's like that visual, isn't it? As, as leaders, we are carrying the whole community. So we carry every, everybody with us. And that's a heavy load to carry the positives and, and the challenges. So we need as leaders, it is, a, it is a responsibility, but we must put our oxygen masks on first. Because if you're not, you know, 110%, which is impossible all the time, but I do my best. But if you're not, even if I'm just acting it, I should have done drama, Colin. (laughs) Um, You know, if you've got to put your oxygen mask on first and you have a responsibility when you step into senior leadership, you have a responsibility to your team to to do that because they're they're not there to carry you. You are there to serve those people and those children. Okay. Yeah. Now I am conscious of the time now we're coming sort of close to our, our hour but we've got a few more questions I'll try and squeeze them all in if that's okay because um, I think I think there's some good ones so we all know teamwork is vital but it doesn't always come easy when you've got differing departments and personalities and you know people have lots of different demands and expectations put upon them so there's lots of different things happening there but how can leaders help to nurture a really positive team spirit within their school and staff group? So if I go back to the values, so ultimately it's values driven, it's a values driven, it's a culture driven, it's leading by example of of how you kind of expect um, how people to behave. But I think people need to be really clear in their role and their responsibility and what they do and how much it's appreciated and how much what their part is in the big machine that is the whole school. And I think once people are clear in their role, what they are responsible for, take ownership for it, you know, run with that responsibility. You leave them to get on with it, give them that space to be able to do that and the support um, um, around that. Holding people accountable, making sure that, you you know, you are praising when praise is due um, and appreciating all the efforts that they're going to. And once I think everyone's clear with roles and responsibilities um, and you've you've got the all the values and the culture under that, I think that teamwork then comes quite naturally. Respecting each other as individuals, respecting each each part of the school, from you know the residential team to the uh, the office team to the the cooks and the cleaners and the teachers and the TAs and the pastoral care. It's like oh, I've got eighty you know clinical services. Can't forget them. Um, you know, so all of those different parts. Of, Everybody understands what everybody's role is to do. And then we allow those people to, to really flourish and thrive in those roles. Um, and, you know, that really, for me, that helps that teamwork. And my team go, they go, oh, there she goes again. But I, I always, teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> like, oh, I have to get it in once. I have to get it in once. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to echo a lot of what Sarah said, but just take it one step on as well in terms of how do we, um, Sarah talked about giving people space to find themselves, but there's also the other side to that, which is actually giving people um, the the structures in which to work, because I think what, what... sometimes happens in education is that people get promoted to positions of responsibility because they're a really good classroom practitioner Um, but that doesn't make you then the next day a really good manager so one one of the key issues I think what what I was really keen to look at was delegation I mean you know positive delegation not just giving your job away because you didn't want to do it you know but how do we nurture the next the next layer the next generation of middle and senior leaders but sometimes it was about I I'd had lots of experience of people asking people to do things but not really taking the time to say well actually how would that happen and what's yeah, the you know Sarah talked about accountability about being very very clear about that so you know in two weeks I'm going to ask you to come back and you're going I'm going to see if you've done x y and z and sometimes I think in education because we're all professionals and all graduates and people think well I don't that's a bit patronizing to go to that level is it you know I don't want to go there you know and I want to give people the freedom to do things but there's yeah. a balance isn't there between that and actually modeling mm-hmm. how do you run a project you know how and and how do you bring people involved how do you, you know everyone used to laugh at me because I was that man with you know the action plan and the milestone reviews and I'd write everything down and it would be highlighted and and I'd say you have to read That's it me you know as well, that, yeah. <laughs> 
But I'd say you're going to read it, aren't you? Like that's the first yeah. step, yeah. you know. Um, but I think that's really important because it can produce a lot of problems then, can't it, with people who are just floundering and they might not want to say that they are. Um, and then the relationships between their team might start to be difficult because of that. Um, so I think it is, it's that balance between giving people the space to do it their way, to be creative, to have real ownership, as Sarah said, but actually giving them the really clear structures and how yeah, to do that. That so that it actually happens yeah yeah okay so um the next one is sort of bringing together all the different things we've talked about i suppose so if you could offer a school leader a do's and don'ts list for creating a positive environment for staff well-being what would it look like oh good question I think um, going back to what Sarah was was talking about before, about you know the the structure and the organisation and the calendar is yeah. absolutely key. That the whole framework, which is led by by the head teacher, which is about let's look at the totality of what we have to do and how mm-hmm. do we keep ourselves safe within that as well. And I think it's that stuff that Sarah's doing on a day to day basis, which is about noticing being there knowing exactly what's going on you know reading you know Sarah talking about reading a room and knowing that just by the look of someone's face or how their head is is up or down or whatever and being attuned to that and then thinking right then I'm gonna have to have a conversation there I'm gonna have to or ask a few questions to find out what's going on it's that level of forensic knowledge of your team and the school and and what and what's and what's going on but I also think some some part of what Sarah said about there's a there's a fundamental kind of trust there, isn't it? Because Sarah articulated, you know, the demands of being a head teacher. So the so the the kind of um, your inclination would be to over control everything and just be mm-hmm. on everything. Whereas as we know human beings don't work like that so we have to give people the freedom and that therefore the freedom to fail and for things to go wrong and because I can remember a head teacher saying to me there cannot be any mistakes these kids have got one chance and we have got to get this right this year and that's a real pressured environment to be in um, if that's the kind of culture that you're working Mm. in so it is about trust you know with support as well. I think I've offered lots of do's. I think the don't is um, about assuming. So never assume that people are okay, and yeah. and never assume that people are just are getting on with what what their what their you know role and responsibility is. I think there's no assumptions in in any yeah. walk of life. It's a good point. It's a really yeah. good point. But just don't assume anything. Don't presume things are being done. Don't presume that people are okay. Um, you know, I do an awful lot of you know i do all birthday cards for staff when it's their birthdays you know i send postcards home of thanks i you know we do the raffle every friday i do a lot of the icing you know the nice things and we you know we, yeah. I, you know I pay for staff dues and they can be so meaningful to people yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah the little, it is the icing on the cake but actually you know really as a senior leader really look at your systems that are supporting um supporting the whole school so you know when you write a report as a teacher is it easy to do or am I having to go into like a thousand different windows? You know, when I'm updating, you know, updating the database or the systems that we have in schools, is it easy to use? Because that's, you know, that's, that is, that is and has been proven, hasn't it? We've researched that that's actually what teachers want and what staff do want is an ease of systems, clarity in systems, clarity of roles and responsibilities, um, and making it as the culture values driven, um, and, and, and well-being being a massive part of your curriculum, really, and how you deliver. It's all in the how, which is what I always say to uh, mm-hmm. the team as well, how you do things, whether it's the positive, you know, or the challenging conversations, how you yeah. do it is, is really important. Yeah. Okay. So it's been some great, great discussion and conversation today. So this is like a sort of a final, a final thought type of thing. So as the end of the academic year approaches, what would your message or advice to all those working across the across education settings over the past 12 months or so be? I would say well done. 
oh my goodness yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> i'd be like wow you all deserve like you know standing ovation yeah. and you know a massive round of applause and just rest you know there is you yeah know, there is no it is full on you know people always say oh you get 13 weeks holiday you teachers you know it's kind <laughs> of like yeah do you know why <laughs> do you know why we get that you know and do you think we just don't do anything in those 13 weeks we're planning we're preparing planning we're getting ready you know we're doing it? all of yeah. that but actually get yourself ready get your you know your well-being get yourself physically and emotionally ready for the next academic yeah. year because that autumn term is always a killer you know let alone uh, with all the challenges and the changes that potentially we'll we'll still have we'll you know come. so yeah i would say yeah. rest 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 and blooming well done for the last year okay yes you? i mean i i echo that completely sarah yeah. i always um say when i run courses f- for uh, on teacher well-being is say right you've got a holiday a half term or um or a christmas or easter coming up you know um, and what i say for the summer is you know take one day a week that is about you right get rid of your kids get a babysitter get (laughs) rid of your partner you know and just plan it and spend you know plan it through through the whole term and if it's just reading a book on your own or just having the tv and netflix to yourself where you can choose but do it you know and it's amazing when when you say to said teachers right who can do this and they go well no i can't because of it you say no stop doing that take some time that is just about you um yeah brilliant Right, well, that's a wrap on today's podcast. Some really amazing conversation there. So a massive thank you to Colin and to Sarah for your time. Um, And a thank you to everybody who's listening as well. So if people are listening to this, they probably already signed up for our Support and Leaders in Education series, which is all about providing advice and support for head teachers, senior leadership team members and all teaching professionals. But if not, you can visit withslackgroup.co.uk forward slash webinars to register and receive all the details about future topics. So thank you once again to our speakers, our listeners, and I hope you can join thank us you, for another thank podcast you. in the future. Thanks, Bye you. for now. Bye-bye.